Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Raw and uncut, Jiggy Jag, you know how you do it. You know what I'm saying? Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a linguist. no idea. <laughs> I, love I didn't that. know you were, the but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267 22 Jiggy. Daddy, hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? Must be that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy play guitar. Jeff. It's a great day, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and, uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jags TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. My Lord, it is the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio broadcast. Coast-to-coast, border-to-border. Tune in, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and it is our Monday edition I am trying to dial Dr. Jack Caravelli. We are We are gonna to go to the telephones. I am gonna to try to call Dr. Jack Caravelli. The big star. Star stage and screen. And uh, get him in here. And then we're going to call Dan Perkins. Whoa. What is that? What is that? Did I call somebody's fax machine? What happened here? The call was dropped. I called somebody's fax machine. We're going to try this again. (laughs) We're going to call Dr. Jack Caravelli here in just a few moments. Let me pull his phone number up here. In my, my, uh, my book, my book. Remember, don't lose the list, as they say. There, I think is going to be Hello? Dr. Jack Caravelli. Hello, sir. I'm calling you on Skype hey. audio. How are you? Hey, James. Uh, good evening, my friend. And now uh, we're going to pull in here Don Mazzella and Dan Perkins uh, to join our, our festive little conversation here. And uh, the one thing, uh, Doctor, that, that is, that is uh, going on is that it, it never seems... Uh, Hello there. And I believe there's Dan Perkins. <laughs> I believe that's also true. Uh, Mr. Mazzella was on with me, so you can get him too. Okay, well, I'm in the process oh, of calling. There he is. He's coming in. Okay, well. Okay. There it is. I think I've got Dan, Don, and our good friend, Dr. Jack Carabelli. And, uh, Doctor, I was just getting ready to uh, go to you to ask you about this health care situation that happened today with uh, th- th- this yeah. bill, this, this quote-unquote Trump care coming through. Give us your thoughts and your takes on this, and then we'll let Dan and Don jump in, and uh, we'll chat about this here for a little bit. 
Great, James. You got the you got the A team. It's great to be with those guys. <laughs> yes, wait, uh, yeah. I, I I I try. <laughs> I try. Oh, I think you succeeded. It's great to talk to them. Uh, yes, and your audience, of course. Uh, healthcare. Well, I, I claim no particular expertise, uh, but but I would add, I've you know great great interest and in, in concern about it as American as millions of Americans do, of course. Uh, you know the the House did by a very narrow margin. Uh, pass uh, what I'll call a version uh, of the bill. Yes. Um, <clears throat> what it looks like now, in fact, I was just reading on the Internet, it looks like, sounds like the Republicans in the Senate, led by Lamar Alexander, Senator from Tennessee who chairs uh, the Health Committee on the Senate side, uh, you know, they may want to write their own bill, which they are certainly entitled to do. Uh, it obviously would would slow the process, <clears throat> Uh, it may take on some of the issues that they think are flawed in the House version, but you know, here's the here's the codicil. If you know, and, and the other guys know this as well. You know, let, let's assume the Senate rewrites it. Let's assume the Senate passes their version. Then what has to happen, James, is it will go back to the House for you know what is called reconciliation. Now. You know, with such a thin margin of votes in the House side, again, on the first go-round here, um, you know, it's, again, the devil is in the details, but it's far from guaranteed that, you know, a, a bill will emerge uh, quickly uh, through that process. And they may lose some House Republicans if they don't like what the Senate does. So this is, so there's a version that's in play, but it, it's probably not going to be the final answer. And, you know, we're running toward uh, summer break and things like that. So, I'm, you know, I am not at all sure that we're going to have a health care bill in front of Trump anytime soon. Well, why does it have to be soon? And what, what, uh, whatever happened to that old-fashioned idea of you, you, you work legislation and you eventually come up with a compromise bill? What I'm getting sick and tired of hearing is it's got to be one way or the other. This nation is uh, founded on compromises. The Constitution's a compromise. Um, what was flawed about the uh, Obama care was it was not a compromise. If he had been smart enough to have compromised with the with the Republicans, he might have gotten some Republican votes. But instead, he said, "I uh, uh, I got elected, and I'm going to do it my way." And, uh, and, you know, uh, but the point, the, the point is, you, you had 20 Republicans go over to the Democratic side in this vote, in this vote. You had, uh, um, two Democrats come over to this side. And you, you, yeah, maybe you will get a different bill in the Senate, in the Senate. And then you sit down and have a reconciliation. And maybe the reconciliation will actually come out to be a better bill, because it'll be a compromise bill. That's my, that's my feeling on it. I'm just uh, I, I, I'm reading all the comments from the left and the right that are coming across my desk with their prepared statements. And when you look at the bill itself, it's not a bad bill. And so what? We'll have uh, this Senate come along and change some things. And then they'll go reconciliation and come up with something that might actually be passed 
by by some combination of Republicans and Democrats. Now, well, well, uh, look, the idea of yes. compromise is, is is of great importance to me. I would like to think uh, that we could get a better bill through that process. Uh, I certainly agree that there is no uh, non-political compelling reason to try to rush it through. It's better to be a little slower and better for the American public. Uh, yes. So I, I agree. I My guess would be the White House is probably pushing the Republicans on this uh, in Congress, but we'll, you know, we'll see. But I would... I'd rather do it well for the American public and slower than give either side just a reason to claim a quick political victory. You know, um, I, I read, uh, I quickly read uh, uh, a Wall Street Journal story about how terrible the bill was and the fact that it uh, pulled, out, um, it uh, eliminated the mandates. And then you read through the story at the bottom of the story and you, you 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 saw well maybe it didn't uh, uh, eliminate the mandates and if they did, did this this and this it may it may come to a compromise. We're still you know a, a bad piece of legislation was passed hastily and maybe a repeal should be passed slowly when we get the p pieces right. I'm with you. Dan, your 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 thoughts on that? Oh, you're, you're the only one. Dan's quiet. <laughs> I'm just waiting for my turn. I'm just waiting for my turn. I'm being oh, polite today. <laughs> well, we've heard from the well, doctor. Well, I jumped in this time. Uh, we've heard from the doctor. We've heard from Don. Now let's hear from you, Dan. Well, first of all, let's be careful of our words. We don't want to throw words around if we're not using them in the proper context. The word reconciliation is not appropriate. It's not appropriate because reconciliation is a process in the Senate for specific legislation. The Senate can pass their own version of the bill and then it goes to conference, which is the right word. See, if Mr. McConnell were to use the word reconciliation, reconciliation is how Obamacare was passed because reconciliation only required a simple majority of one. If you do anything else beyond that under the current rules of the Senate, the Senate must have 60 votes in order to pass legislation in the Senate. So reconciliation is a process that requires one vote more than the majority. However, it is full of incredible danger. When you say reconciliation in the Senate, then there are no, the operative word here, Jim, no limits to the amendments that can be proposed. So McConnell has to decide which way he's going to proceed in the Senate. Is he going to pass their version and go to compromise, or is he going to take reconciliation in order to try and get something passed on a simple majority? Or, third possibility, is he going to suspend the rules of the Senate 
and make it a simple majority vote. Now, the Democrats would be really bad out of shape, but too bad. Now, let's go on with a, philo- a thought that I raised earlier in the week with Mr. Mozilla. Okay. And and uh, we were not with you on Tuesday, or I would have re- brought it to you then. But I'll, I'll bring it today. At, yes, you know, yes. A, a little late. We were both amazed how quiet Mr. Trump was. Literally, how quiet he was when the t- funding bill went through, continuing resolution. Where he didn't, they continued to fund Obamacare. They continued to fund Planned Parenthood. No money for the wall. Yada yada yada. He wasn't saying. He said very little about it. He didn't go on a tirade, and he didn't go on a rant. And I said, when he came out, when the Republicans and the Democrats in the Congress said that they had a compromise. He came out in a tweet and said, what this country needs is a good shutdown in September. I think there's a strategy wow. at play here. I think there is a strategy here at play. Uh, what he basically did is the Democrats were gloating Pelosi and um, the uh, and Chucky Upshuck Schumer were gloating and uh, about how well they had snookered Mr. Trump, and how his legislative process was dead for the next three years. Nothing was going to get passed. And Mr. Trump comes out and says, well, we're going to sh- we could shut down the government in September when it's our budget. And I said to Don at the time, as I just said, there's a strategy here. And the strategy is he's now created a problem for the Democrats because now they've got five months for the next budget bill. And Trump has already said he thinks the one way to drain the swamp is to shut down the government. What are they going to do? All right. And he's put them on notice, and now they're thinking about it. Then look what happened. When, the, when Donald Trump called Paul Ryan and said, pull the bill, don't vote on it, what did the mainstream media do? Health care reform is dead Trump is not an effective leader. Ryan needs to go, yada, yada, yada. And in what, four weeks? They passed a piece of legislation that eliminates Obamacare. Now, I know that the Democrats were saying today, you know, you're going to poison our children, you're going you're to kill the old people, all the stuff that they do. But what happened in a matter of a very short period of time, Mr. Trump turned the tide. And I think it was part of a strategy. I think he's he's smarter than the Democrats are willing to admit. And now they have to worry over the next five months. Because next, next up on the bill, while the Senate is considering health care, the Ways and Means Committee in the House, which initiates tax reform and appropriations, is going to start working with the administration on tax reform. And so we could come out of the summer going into the budget cycle in September with Obamacare gone and a major tax bill, and we could start building the wall. I have said from the very beginning 
This man has incredible staying power. Don't count him out. And the Democrats, I think, have made a tactical error. Agreed. Uh, I I agree with you. Um, that uh, he's uh, smarter than the Democrats have uh, uh, let him be, and uh, I don't necessarily disagree with anything you say, uh, Dan. Well, we haven't heard from the good doctor. What does he think? Yes, Dr. Jack. Jump in there, my friend. Sure. Uh, Well, I would like to think that Dan is right. I'm not convinced he is. Uh, It's still, at least to me, unclear that that, that Trump is, uh, first of all, I think he is more clever and wily than many give him credit for, but I'm still not convinced that, you know, in in his mind, he understands the, you know, the really complex then longer-term legislative process that you know that uh, you know the guys have walked us through. Um, I mean, you know, we, we we will see. I mean, that's a. I would add, it's it's a plausible scenario, uh, and I, I look. I'd be delighted if you know by the fall we had. I mean, real health care legislation, real tax reform, and that would obviously be to to, to Trump's great credit. Do I think? He's got the legislative chops right now to thoughtfully pull it off. I'm not convinced. Uh, but, look, if, if he does, number one, he gets credit, and number two, in my mind, number two, you know, if he is able to, uh, you know, put a legislative stick or two into the eyes of Schumer and Pelosi, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll get out my records and start to dance. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the other thing is interesting is that that um, um, one person who's been in, very quiet is is uh, Maxine Waters. I yep. did a piece, a piece this week on uh, uh, did 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 this did this tactic of the continuing resolution um, and did the did the did the Democrats turn over the the impeachment of Donald Trump to the Republicans? By taking away his entire agenda, and uh, and I s- started with that premise, and then began to talk about the other thing that I mentioned is maybe maybe he's smarter than you think. I, I have to tell you though, Doctor and Don, let me let me tell you as best I can what I heard today on Rush. Surprised me. It really surprised me. He raised the question. Russ raised the question. With all the celebration that's going on at the White House and the buses to bring the, the congressman up to celebrate in the Rose Garden, he said, Rush said, "Do you? I wonder if Mr. Trump realizes that because it passes the House, it's not law. <laughs> now, I thought that was a very unusual statement by Rush because it it is in a sense an insult to Mr. Trump's knowledge. And um, I I was surprised that he raised the question. I think that what happened today, they got 217 votes, one more than they needed. And they got, as you said earlier, they they lost some Republicans and they gained a couple of Democrats. What happened today was a down payment 
a serious down payment on one of his major campaign promises, and that is elimination, repeal, and replace Obamacare. He can now say to the public, we have started the process to dismantle this abomination called Obamacare because the House of Representatives has passed legislation to eliminate it. He couldn't say that before. Now he can. And what's important is that the majority of the Republicans necessary to pass this legislation came to his side. I think that's also extremely important. I, I, I certainly agree with that. The, the symbolism, I mean, as you're well aware, the symbolism of, of a victory, even if it's, a, as we know, a partial victory, uh, you know, is not inconsequential for the Republicans, particularly after the way they absolutely bungled, you know, the first go-round on health care. So, I mean, if he's, I hope Rush is wrong, uh, but I, you know, I can understand, you know, why a, a White House that is obviously the center of our political universe would want to, uh, sorry for the pun here, trump the, uh, trump the victory, um, you know, I, you know, I, I get it, but, you know, again, I think we all know that, you know, there's, there's much more to come, and, um, you know, we may not have the answers as, you know, as, uh, as Dan lays out and Don have laid out, you know, on, on, until the fall on all this. And I, I agree with Don. It's, I, I don't. I am not, Doctor. I'm not being flipped with you. I agree with no. Don. So what if it takes to the fall? I know that there is a number of your supporters who wanted it done the day one, and and I'm sure Mr. Trump would like to have had it done day one, but they couldn't get their act together. They seem to be getting their act together. The next will we see how much influence. I mean, I don't know whether you heard, Doctor. I heard Paul Ryan's speech before the vote as Speaker of the House, and this was a barn burner of a speech in where he was literally saying to the members in the House, are you with me? Are you with me? And you could hear the, the, the yes, the, the, the crescendo of yes. This was a motivational speech by the, by the Speaker of the House bringing together his base and say, we can do this. We can get the ball over the line. We can win. And they did. Yep. Uh, I, I would like to think, Don, and I know you would as well, that we, you know, that you know, in an ideal world, both parties would get the idea that they were sent to Washington to actually do the people's business. And if the Republicans can, you know, as we were talking earlier, find a path forward that, again, reflects Dan's view of the importance of compromise, well, you know, maybe we'll, yep. we'll, we'll be better off than we've been the past eight years. Uh, Jim? Yes. I want to. I, I would like to, ex, as the congressman and senators say, add to and extend my remarks. I want to. I want to <laughs> take this where we are right now in this conversation and kind of tweak it a little bit. Okay. With a, something else that's going on. Okay. Go. The White House. The White House announced today that Mr. Trump is taking his first foreign trip. He's going to Israel, he's going to Saudi Arabia, and he's going to Rome to meet the Pope. In addition, 
He's invited the prime minister or president or whatever his title is of the Philippines to come. Remember, he refused to allow Obama to come to his country. And he said he'd be willing to meet with the with the guy in North Korea. Um, Democrats got a problem. All those things are presidential. That's good for Trump, bad for the Democrats. See, when they had him focused in Washington, D.C., and stayed in Washington, D.C., and was off the world stage, they could do whatever they... They could say whatever they wanted to say. But now that he's leaving the country on his first foreign capital trip. And I think it's important that he's going to Israel. Not so important Saudi Arabia. And I think that it's it's ceremonial to go to Rome to see the Pope. But point is, he's beginning as his personnel, has, as Don would say, is beginning to learn how to manage as his personnel are really beginning to work his schedule and who he's doing, so far, so far, all of the visits, the foreign dignitaries have come to the United States. Now he's going on the world stage. And I think that has a great deal to do with his, his being presidential. And again, doesn't bode well for the Democrats. I, 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 this is Jack. I think that's exactly right. Uh, I think we can we can guess with great certainty that he'll be uh, certainly received in Israel by Prime Minister Netanyahu with with great fanfare. Uh, I think the Israelis will embrace him with open arms, and you know there's there's hardly a better photo op in the world, as you guys know, than you know a, a U.S. president as as Obama did, I think several times go to the Vatican and sort of a literally embrace the Pope. So I, I would agree. It is a, it's, it's a very good thing politically, hopefully a good thing on substance, uh, but, it, but it certainly does show, at least give him an opportunity, you know, to get on the big plane and show that he is presidential. Uh, so I, I think it's probably a, a good reflection of staff work. The other thing is that that uh, wasn't big in the headlines, but important to what we're talking about, is that, and I want to get you the most current, um, what we had was a 4.5% decline in crude oil today to $45. Yep. And the Saudis being on the trip, I'm sure part of the discussion is going to be what are we going to do about oil. And yep. in many respects, we're the culprit. Uh, OPEC has cut uh, 1.8 million barrels a day out of their out of their production, and and the most recent report I saw is they're about 90 92 percent compliant. They can't have oil at 45 dollars a barrel and expect to survive. So I suspect there's going to be some discussion with uh, the head of the Saudi government. Or what are you going to do about your frackers, Mr. President? Exactly. No, that's that's a critical issue. Uh... You know, and it, it, it obviously cuts across all of OPEC, and as well as the Russians. You know, the Russians are basically a one-trick economy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, depending on energy. And, you know, for these countries like Saudi Arabia and Russia, their, their economies are so committed or so tied up to oil prices, uh, guys, as you know, you know, much higher than 45 or $50 a barrel. 
So I, I think that will be a very intense conversation when the uh, president gets to Riyadh. Now, I, I wrote an article for Constitution uh, initially in February, talked about the death spiral for OPEC, and then did a follow-up article. I think we talked about it on Jim's show. I said that what's going on here is that we're about, we're seeing, we may virtually be seeing the end of OPEC as a cartel because as the oil prices decline again, and I'm not saying they're going to go back and test the previous lows, but at these levels, the economies of all the major OPEC nations, including Saudi Arabia, are not sustainable in what they're providing for their citizens at these levels at $45 a barrel. And so what I said was going to happen, and I believe it will happen because OPEC is meeting this month in Vienna, I think that OPEC is going to be forced to try and cut production to see if they can get the price to rise. And as they cut production, their revenue goes down, even if the price goes up. And if the American frackers uh, take over the world, which they're about to do, uh, they could literally destroy OPEC. Now, most people are not aware of the deal that the president cut with China when he was at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, most people do not understand that OPEC or that uh, China is a mirror of the United States under Jimmy Carter in that they they import between 60 and 65 percent of their petroleum and 40 percent of their coal. So when Mr. Trump met with them and they stopped, they had stopped taking their coal from Korea, North Korea, and cut the the exports of Korea. They were looking for coal, so we we never exported any coal or any crude oil or finished product to China. We are now. Yep. Now these these are all. I, I think you really hit the nail on the head. These are critically important economic issues. They they certainly can help among many other things, as you guys know. Uh, you know, re restore us to really a, a you know a, a a globally dominant economic posture. You know that we we've certainly uh, you know slid back on in in recent years. Uh, I think the Chinese economy does have the the vulnerabilities you mentioned. The Russian economy really does. Uh, so you know it, it's going to be really interesting. I'm glad you're following it, and the um, um, it'd be interesting to see how, you know, Trump and his team, you know, play this one out because they, I think you're exactly right. They've got some real cards to play through fracking, and uh, hopefully somebody's thinking through the long-term implications of this, not not only economically, but you know, but politically. Sure, sure. You know, you, we were talking earlier in the week. Don and I were on our on our other show. And we were talking about what, what's going on, and we had a, a demographer on, which I, we've recommended him to come on to Jim's show. And um, he says that manufacturing is going to come back from China to the United States, that it's going to be cheaper for the Chinese people, to Chinese companies, to come to the United States and manufacture than to try and continue to outsource by going to Indonesia and going to Vietnam and other places. They're going to start bringing that manufacturing back here. He thinks there's a manufacturing renaissance coming. 
I, I think the other thing that happened that, that again, didn't get a lot of play in the last week or so that fits into this whole Trump narrative, uh, did either of you find it interesting that Canada and Mexico have said, we'd like to renegotiate NAFTA too? Yep. And all the criticism that Mr. Trump took for wanting to renegotiate NAFTA how a bad idea it was, and it wasn't good for America, and yada, yada, yada. And the two leaders of the two countries says, uh, in essence, are saying, yeah, we got the better of the deal. You guys got the shaft. We're willing to renegotiate. And and China's willing to renegotiate the idea that they charge tariffs on all our stuff, and we get to bring they get to bring all our stuff, their stuff into our country with no tariffs. So I, I think that that this whole issue of trade, fair trade and honest trade, regardless of what it is, is going to be a very big issue and a, a very big embarrassment to the Democrats when he goes through and renegotiates NAFTA and things happen and he maybe starts getting the money to build the wall and other things. So, um, again, I've said to you, as I said to Don, he's smarter than most people are willing to give credit to. And it's beginning to show itself. We've got uh, Dan Perkins, Don Mazzella, and Dr. Jack Caravelli. Don, you, you have anything to uh, to add to to Dan's chat? There? Well, you know, you know, listening to uh, to, to, to Dan, Dan and the good doctor, uh, I just come to the conclusion that um, uh, our media has consistently underrated um, of President Trump and. They're still doing it today. I mean, we had uh, Colbert uh, on Tuesday night with this rant of his, <clears throat> which uh, I, I don't know if any of you saw it. I didn't see it, but I, I heard it was in really bad taste. Yes. Um, but uh, uh, what, what I really found uh, interesting about all this is how the level of civility uh, towards the president and towards all of our institutions uh are really being attacked by the by the the left uh, uh, rather than the right. You know, uh, for a long time, uh, the left kept uh, talking about uh, how uh, crude the conservatives was were, etc. But if if you, I don't know if you uh, looked into that uh, uh, woman's uh, event where Hillary Clinton sat at the stage. If you wanted to see um, incivility. You, uh, was was watching the cutaways to the very the various audience, etc. Uh, I'm uh, I'm getting to the point where I'm getting a little uh, the word I want to use to discuss it with the way we're, we're no longer having good manners, and uh, it's a sad thing. And I, I don't I don't know if there's a, a solution to it, but uh, Forgetting all the stuff and all, even the talking heads. I, I was in my um, doctor's office today, and I, I watched CNN where where they had talking heads talking about the fact that the Justice Department finally decided they would not um, prosecute uh, this white policeman for killing a black teenager, and uh, uh, the, the hostility in the uh, between the two people. Uh, on television, uh, there's no sound, but if you saw the faces, you knew that what was going on. 
I, I, I know this is not a, a subject, but I'm curious how uh, the doctor feels and Dan feels about this. Well, I, I really take the point, and it's an awfully important one, that we have become, in many ways, an uncivil society. Uh, there is little evidence of people trying to reach across the aisle and, and listen to the other, whether it's here in Washington or around the country. You see this playing out on college campuses. The, the lack of tolerance and respect for the other perspective, whether one buys it or not, is... Is shockingly low. I, I yep. and you know, there's probably a lot of explanations for this. I think one is that you, you do not find either in the media an institution or uh, a lot of universities institutions uh, that that really you know try to inculcate the, the notion that you know the, the our our model as a nation that you know from many one. You know, we have fractured in so many ways. I was reading the other day that, you know, the, you know, I, I don't know how old you guys are. I've turned 60, but the, the world... Well, you're a young, but older than you're that. You're a youngster. Uh, <laughs> Get a real I, job. I'm, I'm reassured by the... basement. <laughs> the, the, um, the, the idea that, you know, the world that certainly I grew up in in America, of, you know, majority white, mostly Christian, is the world that, if it hasn't already gone away, it is going away. And, you know, as a nation and society, you know, it would be nice to find leaderships, whether in politics, churches, uh, universities, that, you know, that have a national dialogue that says, all right, here's where we've been, Here's where we're going, and the demographics are not going to change. You know, how do we see ourselves, you know, in the years to come, and the generations coming up behind us? And I, you know, and I would lay the blame, at least in part, as, as Don was saying, uh, on the media. I think the media has totally whipped out in its real obligations, uh, among others, to try to just get at the facts of whatever events they're describing rather than slanting them as they do every day repeatedly in the New York Times or Washington Post. Um, you know, that does not help the nation move forward. So I, all I can say is I, I share these concerns uh, immensely. I, th I believe uh, in my heart of hearts that Everything that, as Barack Obama's minister, Reverend Wright, said one time, the chickens have come home to roost. The chickens that are coming home to roost are the fruits of political correctness in our world. Yes. In Europe and in the United States. We, we no longer have the ability to have a dialogue based on disagreements. Either you believe and subscribe to what I say, or you are a racist, or you are a homophobe, or a xenophobe. I mean, Hillary was saying that, that one of the reasons she lost was because xenophobia, people wouldn't vote for women. 
And I did an interview this week, and and we were talking about that. I said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hillary Clinton is not the first person, female, to be ahead of a country. We got Maggie Thatcher. We had Indira Gandhi. We had um, Golda Meir. Uh, we've had other examples of other nations around the world that have le- elected female leaders. So she wasn't breaking through the glass ceiling because she to break through the glass ceiling, you have to be the first. She wasn't the first. No. So, but I think that I've seen so many examples um, of how political correctness has destroyed, has destroyed that what made us, what made us the melting pot is that we could come from different parts of the world and we could come in here in this country and grow together and meld and become part of that great American melting pot. But there is no melting pot anymore. We have we have run we have put stakes in the ground to separate the people. The the Democrats talk about we're a divided nation. Yeah, the reason we're divided is because the Democrats divided the nation. They decided to build a party based on special interests. Blacks, Hispanics, gays, lesbians, transsexuals. All these were people as what as some people have called a victim society. Well, you know, I think until we understand that America was a place where we could have a free an open open exchange of disagreements without being attacked either physically or verbally, uh, we have lost a very important part of what made America, America. Um, I, yep. well, speaking of Hillary, did you happen to see her mea culpa? Um, before, uh, before an audience of women. You mean it went, um, went, go ahead, go ahead. No, she, um, I, I happened to see a feed of her uh, talk with, uh, Anapora. And, uh, if, if ever, if ever I saw someone who was in denial, it was her. Um, and it's interesting, even to this day, she does not understand why she lost. And Which, I, um, go ahead, because I'm going to I'm going to talk about your favorite paper. But go ahead. <laughs> I have to read it because I'm a j- journalist. Okay. Well, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's unfortunate because it still sets the tone. Yeah. If you uh, if you we're, we're talking about the New York Times for those who are not initiated and the right. fact uh, that since September 1962 I have read the New York Times every day since the, it's been within reach. Yeah, um, you're building and, up and, points in heaven with that one. Well, maybe I hope so. <laughs> God knows I need something. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> quick point. <laughs> the new I I heard this on the radio today. The New York Times has an article today by one of its reporters who decided that enough is enough. It wasn't the Russians that lost the election for Hillary. 
And surprisingly, it wasn't Hillary who lost the election for Hillary. What the article says is that Bill Clinton, when he got on the plane with Loretta Lynch, forced Comey's hand. So the article blames not Hillary for the loss. The article blames Bill Clinton for Hillary's loss. What is it? You know, why don't we start saying what it really was? A Trump victory. <laughs> Donald Trump, you, you, you know, you, it's really interesting. Because if you sit, sit down and look at it, everybody told Donald Trump he was running the wrong campaign on the wrong, wrong time and in the wrong states. And uh, lo and behold, at 9 o'clock on election night, he was uh, the, the victor. He won it because he saw what the American people uh, really desired and gave it to him. Right. The fact that the elites did not like what he was saying is irrelevant. The American people said to him, uh, we like what you said. And if you eliminate New York and California from the vote totals, it's an overwhelming favorite. What did you say, Dan? 83% of the counties in America voted for Donald, Donald Trump? Trump? Yes, 83%. What's and, interesting is, that, again, on our show earlier this week, Jim, our, our demographicer, I asked him the question. You know, we had we had a surprise vote in, in England, a surprise vote in the United States, surprising vote in the, in the Netherlands countries. We've got an election this weekend, and uh, the French have the choose between Le Pen and the other gentleman who I call Macaroon, who's got the 64-year-old wife. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? And he said, I think Le Pen's going to win. Wow. Oh, uh, well, uh, he was, a, uh, like I say, I sent him... An email to you, Jiggy, because oh, yeah. I think one, gonna... once you get him on the on the program, you're going to want him as a regular. <laughs> he, well, he, uh, he certainly got Dan stander up well, in, in a good way. Well, doctor. So, so the point is that is as just following yes. what Don was saying, yes. the elite situation uh, is, and I and even they're talking now about Merkel being uh, in jeopardy. Um, Finally, the people of the world, the common man, the, the, the non-elites, are standing up. And uh, we, uh, when Ronald Reagan was president, we called them the silent majority. And, uh, and we have those people coming back and saying, you know, this is, not, this is not my country. These things I don't agree with. And, um, and they have gone to extremes. And they've taken away our rights to disagree, and they've taken away our traditions and our beliefs, and they they may have destroyed the country that it may never be able to be brought back. I don't know. Well, do Doctor Jack, you, you you travel all over the world. What 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 are people saying about uh, that? Some some of these issues that Dan and Don raised. Well, the the, the trends are exactly as described. They're they are pretty interesting, and I think they do reflect, as the guys were saying, some so, some real uh, I'll just call it blowback from you know from the from citizens in in the UK. Um, uh, you know, maybe France will we'll see. I think it'll be a tight election. Macron um, 
is, is not by any means assured to win. Le Pen has, uh, certainly has some strong backing. I think some of that will depend on the turnout. Uh, in Germany, Merkel, uh, I, I would be delighted to see her defeated this year. I, I don't think she will be simply because I don't think there's any strong uh, viable candidate opposing her yet. Uh, but I think there is a larger dynamic that the Brits showed, that the Trump victory showed, that the French victory may show, um, that at least in the West, you know, this, this kind of, uh, as we were talking earlier, the um, uh, political correctness, uh, the lack of common sense, uh, in Europe, the, the idea that uh, laws can be promulgated by unelected officials in Brussels. And I will tell you, the, I'm, I'm in London a lot, and I, it, it absolutely frosted the British that literally more than 60% of the laws their system had to enforce did not come from the British Parliament, but came from the Europeans. Right. I, I, and, 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 Doctor, I know we don't have a lot of time. Just as a quick follow-up to what you're saying, uh, I think there's another current here, and you may agree with me or maybe not. I think that the English want to be English. The Germans want to be Germans. The French want to be French. The Italians want to be Italians. They don't want to be Muslim. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's a big factor. I was in actually in Rome last week, uh, you know, I know the German situation, which was uh, appalling in what Merkel did, has gotten a lot of press, but in Italy, you know, they're, they're you know, a much smaller country than Germany. The Italians are dealing with about a half million migrants that have come not from the Middle East, but from mostly from Libya and North Africa. So I, I, I can only agree that across the continent, you know, the, 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 the politicians did not keep sight of their most important duty, which is to take care of the security of their country. Uh, and, and all of this, you know, the, uh, you know the, this mess is coming home to roost. Yes. Can I, gentlemen, do, do you know the joke? Do you know what heaven is? Heaven is Italian lovers, German mechanics, English policemen, uh, Swiss watchmakers, and French and French chefs, but you know what hell is? Hell is uh, English cooks, uh, German lovers, uh, French mechanics, <laughs> and etc. Uh, etc. Et you know, um, I, I heard that joke well, must be at least thirty-five years ago, but it is now all of a sudden come back around. Uh, and tells me that maybe nationalism is still alive in Europe and, and may succeed uh, in breaking up the European Union. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, th this is an unfinished story. I, you know, what, what Dan and Don are laying out is, is, is plausible, and again, I just think it's a reflection of, you know, greedy and often unelected bureaucrats who, you know, ha had the arrogance to think they knew better than the, you know, the, the, the proverbial man and woman on the street. And now it's, 
it's coming back to bite them. And look, the Brits, the Brits are going to be gone. This is going to be uh, James. We should uh, again. We're going to have a, you know, the, the in early June the British election. Uh, Theresa May, another woman, you know, came to office. Uh, may um, uh, may score a big victory, and uh, you know it, it's going to be ugly when the when the Brits sit down with the Europeans and say, "Hey, we're out of here. Uh, let, let's figure out how to do it with you know some uh, degree of civility." But my guess is the Europeans are two things: they're so pissed at the Brits and afraid, as the guys are saying that it will lead to a further breakup, that this is really going to be interesting to watch. It'll be the stuff of books. Uh, and, you know, it, we have not seen the end of this yet, probably in our country as well. Right. Now, I agree. As, as, as we wrap up here, I want to throw out one final topic for everybody. Um, uh, doctor, I know that you've been, you've been speaking all over the globe, it seems, uh, what, what, what are some of the concerns that folks have been talking to you about and, and, uh, and kind of share those with, uh, with Dan and Don, and, and, and I want to get everybody's comments on this. Well, real quickly, uh, thanks. Uh, in, in Rome, and then um, in about a week, James, I'll be in Geneva also speaking. I mean, my sort of the, the, the sense, again, from two data points for, again, what they're worth uh, is simply... Uh, not only confusion about Donald Trump and where is America going, particularly as it sort of bounces against the world of Barack Obama, um, but but a, a lack of, and I'm going to try to convey some of this, you know, their lack of understanding of what the guys have discussed, that Trump may be much more subtle and sophisticated in the long term at least, than they think. I mean, there is this perception that he's little more than a, a novice bumbler, uh, but he may well bumble toward domestic and foreign policy successes that no one would anticipate. Uh, so, I, you know, I, my message last week and then next week is going to be don't underestimate this guy. You know, everybody goes through a huge learning curve in the White House, he's obviously more of a novice than many others, but there is a, a cleverness in him that if he finds his bearings, uh, you know, as Dan and Don were saying, he's going to give the Democrats a real, real problems, and, you know, he may be bringing about change in some nasty parts of the world, you know, China, Russia, the Korea problem, uh, than anyone thinks he's capable of. So I'm, I, I am cautiously optimistic, and I'll, I'll probably be booed for that in Geneva particularly, but hell, I, I don't care. I'll, I'll eat some good chocolate and get out of town. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I jump in here? You're absolutely right. Um, I had the uh, opportunity last night to uh, view some tapes uh, I had of, uh, of the first um, uh, few months of Ronald Reagan. And, you know, uh, the Democrats, uh, particularly um, uh, some, some of the left Democrats, totally underestimated him. And the, the, what really put them on their toes was the fact 
what he did with the air traffic controllers. If you recall, they went on strike thinking they had a weak president. So what did he do? He had um, he had a complete plan ready, and they uh, they destroyed the air traffic controllers union. Um, um, but the the point was that people did not understand the, who the man Ronald Reagan was. And I think, uh, Dr. Jack, I think you're absolutely right. I don't believe uh, Euro Europeans especially do not understand um, Donald Trump because they see him through the prism of the American media rather than what he is. And, and uh, part of the problem is, unlike any other president except uh, President Obama, he never went overseas and did some of the things that are necessary um, before the election. If, if you think about it, um, uh, as someone said, his only tri trip was to Antigua uh, to see his wife in a bikini. But um, uh, the, the point is they don't know him, and uh, which is both dangerous and good. Uh, dangerous because they may test them, and I think they will, um, and uh, good because it gives him a chance to show them what he's made of. Great. Well, I would say that uh, I pretty much agree. I, I think that... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 